0: Hello, and welcome to the Messy Truth About Leading People podcast with Nikki Roth, Rhea Welsh, and Gavin Fenn Smith. Hello, listener. Welcome to the Messy Truth Leadership Podcast. I am here with Nikki. Hey, Nikki.
1: Hey, Gavin. How are you? I'm
0: good. Thanks. And for the first time, Nikki, we have a guest today joining us on our public podcast feed. And uh, we thought we would sort of branch out a little bit, and we'll introduce Dick in a minute, but we've both known Dick a long time, and his specialty is dialogue. And this is something that we talk a lot about in our coaching sessions, both team coaching and individual coaching, when coaches come to us with questions and guidance on listening and associated topics. So it seemed to us that dialogue may be quite a useful and practical uh, topic for today's conversation. Anything you want to add, Nikki?
1: Well, just that I love Dick's different approach to it. His directness and his ability to really affect change in organizations has always been the thing that's grabbed my attention. So I'm really looking forward to our listeners hearing how he approaches the same topics we do, but he goes through a different door slightly.
0: Super. So, Dick Veenman, welcome.
2: Well, hello. I I didn't realise I was the first ever external guest. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Very honoured. Can you give us a 30-second sketch about how you got into this and, uh, you know, where you came from and what you're doing?
2: I'll be brief. So I run a, a company in the UK called The Right Conversation, which, as its name suggests, is around mm-hmm. the quality of conversations slash dialogue in organisations. And what we do is really twofold is we, um, we work with leadership teams to what we call make the case for dialogue, make the case for conversation. So we do a lot of research and, and it's designed to get leaders to think about modern leadership. And I'm sure we'll talk more to that. As the beginning of a journey. And then that naturally leads into skills building, uh, which we can also talk to. But our, our starting point for the work we do is is what leadership is and isn't in the modern world and how to think about that and the role of dialogue within that. So, um, and we work with any number of fairly large organizations, largely in the UK, but things like the Bank of England, British Airways, uh, people, government departments. So, typically fairly large organizations. So, yeah, yeah. And I think
0: that. It's a good segue, I think, for us, Nikki, because this idea of what is modern leadership or what leadership is and isn't, I think there's a lot of overlap with Dick. So maybe that's a good place to start. What do you mean by this, Dick? Can you just expand?
2: Yeah, so we run sessions with leaders, uh, and we talk, and we call them provokes. Uh, They're designed to provoke people to think. And I guess the starting point is that leadership is contextual. So leadership is a part of the society in which you do your leading. It's not separate from it. So over time, it changes. So if you look at leadership 100 years ago, or 50 years ago, it was different from what it is today. And people expected different things from leaders. Um, So it's incumbent on leaders, I think, always to poke their heads up and look around and to say is what we do and the way we do it still in tune with the world in which we do our work or are we becoming attached to old habits and institutional patterns that perhaps have served their time so um i guess the starting point is to say well what is current leadership and very crudely put i think if you ask most people that question the sort of mental image that people come up with will be a bunch of people in a room who are the senior team, or the exec, or exco, whatever you want to call them? Ten or twelve of them, classically, historically, very male, very white, middle-aged. More diverse now, thank goodness, but still not as diverse as it should be. And I guess that is how most people will define, mentally, if nothing else, leadership. Now, if you unpick slightly. Uh, The assumptions that underpin that model of leadership. It begs a couple of interesting questions. So the assumptions I would suggest are that the people in that room are in that room because they know best. They have the answers. They're clever people. So they've worked their way up over many years and they've earned the right to be in that room. And therefore, they have the rights to come up with answers on behalf of the organization. So I think that's assumption one. Assumption two is that they therefore have some right to tell people what to do uh, because they're clever and they've done all the work and all the thinking. Uh, The third assumption is that people sort of do what people in that room tell them to do. The fourth is they trust those people. And the fifth is they don't really challenge them. So I think deep down, that's probably been the model of leadership that we've mostly grown up with. Now, that works if the world in which you do your leading is relatively stable um, and you can do some clever analysis. um, And if you can do that and you're the clever people in the room, you can come up with some insights and therefore you can produce a plan. And that's the strategy or whatever you want to call it. That's the thing that the leadership team then takes out and then they communicate that. So I think historically, leadership columns has been broadly about telling people what to do in the very nicest possible way, not in a sort of shouty way, but in the (laughs) answer way. Now, I think if you zoom out slightly, and I don't don't suppose we have time to go into too much of this, but the world isn't predictable. Uh, It's incredibly volatile, and VUCA, to use the the current words, trust has gone between leaders and people they lead to a very large extent. Uh, technologies giving people a voice there's a whole load of different dynamics in society so the idea that leaders can a have all the answers is because there's some predictability doesn't work Uh, therefore having a plan isn't really the answer anymore you're constantly adapting things So that moves leadership away from being the people who tell people what to do to talking with people, to enabling them to come up with more ideas. So so one of the core ideas that we talk to in these sessions is to say that leadership is moving away from what we call the right answer to enabling the right conversations. Um, And that's a kind of core, I think, driver In terms of what's required of a modern leader that doesn't mean you don't have to have answers sometimes clearly you do but it's equally important to say i don't know and that's okay and i have the skills to enable good dialogue so to your question gavin the role of dialogue i think it is absolutely intrinsic now to the competency set of a modern leader and Allied to that is the ego bit, which is that it has to be okay to say, I don't know here. I don't know. And that's fine, but I can make sure the right people can talk. And out of that process of dialogue, something will emerge. And that's an interesting point to get people to reflect on and to say, does that work? And how much do you embrace that? So that's the overall positioning. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, I love it. I love the way that you frame that. And in my experience, approaching that kind of conversation, I think you do it much more artfully and skillfully is basically what that's asking leaders to do is let go of all that power and control and ego and all of the things that they work so hard to have that then makes them feel really good about themselves. And now you're saying, well, those days are over. And now you have to learn a set of skills that was never really very developed in them. And, um, and it is a letting go process, which sucks for them.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And and I think there's a bigger backdrop to that, which is our educational system, which is where exactly. we, we reward kids for having answers. We don't really right. reward them for having questions. We reward them for debating and presenting not right. for listening so i think we've got a whole pyramid of kind of development that, that naturally culminates in someone at the top who knows an awful lot and therefore deserves to be at the top i guess the question we just pose is does that work does that still work does it give well, you the people you want and i guess there's some interesting responses to that society i think at the moment yeah Because we, yeah.
0: Let's, <laughs> let, let's come right. to the society thing in a second i just want to keep yeah. going on the the leaders thing because In addition, I think, to this notion that some people have to unlearn, you know, they've got to a certain place in the organization and then suddenly realizing they have to unlearn some expected behaviors. I do also think, Nikki, certainly in the coaching that I've done, and I I guess that you have too in the last sort of few years, is I get people asking who are mid-career, I get people asking me, coachees, is it okay if I don't know? Mm -hmm. you know they're actually in that place is it okay that i don't know and what do i do when i don't know so there's still these expectations of what quote unquote leadership is are still out there about you get to be team leader and you're supposed to have the right answer yeah yeah and you know all our coaching is very much aligned with what you're saying dick which is no, you, A, you don't have to have the right answer, and B, you shouldn't have the right answer. And C, you can't. <laughs> and C, you can't anyway, yes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. right, exactly.
1: Yeah. All of the above, right. Yeah, so, so just, just, just
0: drilling we... into the individual, I think. So you, you know, you're know, yeah. you talking about a sort of contextual level, but when you drill into right. the individual, we have you know, these experiences right now of people who are struggling with this very question.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I think you raised a good point. And I think therefore the work we do initially starts with the most senior leaders. And I think tackling this, middle up if you like yeah it's quite hard because the fishbowl in which these people swim is surrounding them with stuff that says well this is the way we've always done it so it's hard to initiate change from that level so that these provoke sessions as i call them are squarely aimed at the people who sit at the very top who set the tone and who have to say it's okay not to know and to role model sometimes that it's comes-
0: okay not to know but it's essential to decide or to be able to decide. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of young girls or mid career folks are in their heads, in my experience. They're at a place where if I'm team leader or leader of the group, and it's okay if I don't know, then what am I? And we're trying to get to that place where, well, you're paid the big bucks to be able to decide that way or that way or this way or this way. But to get to that point, it's not about having the right answer, it's about Having the dialogue um, to 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 a point where you assume there is some alignment and there will be some alignment around yeah. the, the path, but but if there is a tiebreaker, then that person has to be able to decide.
2: Yeah, and I and I don't disagree with that in the slightest, and I think I wouldn't for a moment suggest that this idea of making decisions and making the calls and all that is hmm. is is no longer a part of leadership. Clearly, that will always be the case. It's how you get to the point where you can make yes. the decision. And and involved in that process. And I think that's an increasingly democratic slash uh, more diverse set of voices. Exactly. Right. um,
1: And what it makes me think about, Dick, is the transition from the old model to a newer model. And I think, Gavin, the people that we're coaching are like in the middle of this transition and they have a foot in both worlds, right? They intellectually know. It's really more about conversation. It's more about bringing more people into uh, everything, right? And yet, because they don't yet have the skills to do that, they are defaulting to what they do know how to do. I have to be in charge and I have to run this meeting and I have to have the answers, all those things. So we are still in default mode. I think most of our leaders, even if their heads no otherwise
2: yeah and I completely agree yeah. so you're right I think people follow this journey intellectually and, and certainly the way we do it when we talk to people is to bring data to that so it's no longer a leap sure. of faith there there's a lot sure. of societal stuff you can point towards it says look right. this is the way it's heading but you're absolutely right it then begs the question how do we do that and will I actually do it so the next thing we tend to talk about is so what gets in the way of that so that people start mm-hmm. naming okay so the context for shifting towards this style of leadership is that people have to be able to talk more freely and openly yes. if that mm-hmm. doesn't happen this is just a nice phrase and it's not a good exactly. so, so you then say well what are the barriers to dialogue in organizations okay. what happens that stops you and there's a bunch and we get people to explore them but one is like and, and i think you raised this point with me earlier is speaking truth to power you have mm-hmm. to be able to speak upwards and challenge leaders and leaders have to be willing to be challenged and comfortable with that and that's a huge barrier in many organizations uh time is an issue right busy, it takes time to talk and i'm here am a fast-moving guy i've got 50 50 yep. second you today i'm here going to make a decision uh, it's the point you made, which is I'm the boss. I'm supposed to have the answer. So I'm not mm-hmm. comfortable to say I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's in many organizations, and I think again, you touched this in our sort of warm up chat, a fear of conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to be nice to each other. So uh, more robust dialogue, where more voices become involved, can lead to more disagreement. That doesn't sit comfortably with everybody and the other thing that we find quite a lot is what we call token dialogue which is that there has been a lot of initiatives in many organizations over many years to pretend to talk with people Mm -hmm. we'll have some focus groups or we'll yeah Um, and the employee attitude survey maybe is the prime example of that but very little happens as a result of that dialogue so people rightly are a bit cynical, I think, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. suspicious, and go, I think you're gonna ask me, but I think you've already come up with the answer deep down. So uh, right. It's a dance is- it's authentic- Exactly. Right. Right. And and there are so I think all these forces are at play. Uh, so- and they have to be named and acknowledged, I think, before you can move on. Let's
0: drill into the speaking up when it's difficult.
2: Yeah. So again I think it's interesting to flip that one, okay? Mm. So there's an interesting tendency in organisations to say, I want people to speak up, right? And, My and door say, is always open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. speak up, please. So the CEO stands on the stage at the end of a conference and says, ask me anything you like, ask me yeah. a question, and no one does. And then he goes, or she well, I asked them, they didn't speak. OK, so, right. so what tends to happen, I think, is we make it the problem of the little person mm-hmm. if they don't speak, to speak up. And mm-hmm. if you can't, well, go on, go on a workshop for difficult conversations that you might find mm-hmm. it a bit easier. <laughs> uh, so I think one of the things we try to say is if you have power, it's not your job to invite people to speak up. It's your job to what we call listen up. You have to come out and acknowledge that people are not going to speak to you. They're just not. There's so much history, too much much Mm -hmm. baggage. You have to make it okay. And the only way you do that is to show that you care and you leave your office, you come out, you ask questions, you say, I want to hear what you think. Um, And you're going to tell me because I'm really, really, really interested. I don't think it's enough to say, if you have an idea, come to me, as Gavin just said, my Mm -hmm. door's open. It doesn't work. So I think, again... Uh you got to slightly flip this and challenge. I love that. I really, really, really love that because
1: I'm now thinking like, how do I use that in my coaching, right? You know, like you're a leader of somebody. Yeah, okay. exactly. So rather focus than focusing on how do you find your voice to speak up to your boss, let's work on you doing yeah. these one-on-one conversations and inviting real meaningful connection and conversation. And by doing that... At least where I have power and control, exactly, I'm changing things.
2: Yeah, so we call oh. that like the microclimate around you. Yeah, there you go. It's safe mm-hmm. to speak to you, and if multiple managers create microclimates, mm-hmm. where hey, you start to create a climate slash culture where it is suddenly okay to speak to people who are notionally more senior than you um, right now that doesn't mean there are clearly still situations where you have sure. to have a difficult conversation with someone who might be your boss and there are clearly techniques for having those kinds of conversations but but again i think it's slightly letting organizations off the hook if you say it's the problem of the little people and i think
1: the- that is wonderful
2: that so- is really wonderful Another uh, sorry, yeah go go on. Sorry, no no so which is again it goes back to why we start these sessions with senior people sure yeah, yeah. Yeah. it has to start with them it absolutely has to and if you look at all the corporate scandals around speaking truth to power the silencing is done at the top sure and that permeates down so diving in halfway through I think is inherently quite challenging for people
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you just uh, touched on this earlier but the sort of wider societal issues we see these days and and what role dialogue could play and does play when it's done well um you know in society we shouted at each other a lot <laughs> and we seem to be angry with each other a lot all the time Nikki and I are always talking about the need to really deeply know the other person and trying to tell stories to each other try and understand another person's story to be able to Understand why they take the position they take, and why there is yeah. you know, frustration or anger. You know, but more specifically, in around the you know dialogue and the context of dialogue or the skills of dialogue. Do you have any thoughts around this? this yeah,
2: I, I think we live in complicated times when it comes to this, and I think we're at a sort of slight fork in the road, and people tend to go one way or the other. Uh, I think it's a truth in life that people like certainty; they like to know what's coming. Yes. So the more complicated the world gets, I think you can yes. either say, well, that means we need to talk more, my view, or you can get seduced, if you like, by a strong leader who has a beguilingly simple solution to this incredibly complicated world. So here in the UK, we've had Boris Johnson saying, get Brexit done. And yeah, that's really beguiling. Oh, thank goodness. That's a complicated thing. You've had your own Instances clearly with Mr. Trump around, you know, make America great again. It's all very simple. And I think we like certainty. So it's quite appealing to look at a strong, dominant leader. And the dirty deal in that, I think, is that people then let go of their own responsibility. They say, well, you fix it. And if I don't like what you're doing, we'll just vote you out and get someone else in. So I think there's a slightly weird um deal that we've all collectively signed up to but but i think there is that fork in the road and it's almost an ideology here like do you still go back to the almost stronger leader the more complicated the world gets Mm -hmm. or do you say no we need to actually talk even more so i'm wholeheartedly with you but it is a mindset and there are plenty of people Mm. and global politics you know what is it they call it the three p's post truth partisan and populist You know, it's terribly, terribly prevalent. And it's how you win elections, seemingly, and how people become leaders. But the problem, of course, is you can mistake confidence or competence for confidence quite easily in these people. So just because they sound good, that doesn't mean you really know what they're doing. Um, But there is a fork in the road. So to your point, Gavin, I do think every bone in my body says you can buy short-term fixes with people but it kicks the can down the road the reality is we do need to sit down and talk and it's complicated and it's messy name of your podcast obviously the messy truth of life is we need to sit and talk um, yeah. and educate ourselves and others that the idea of silver bullets and really simple solutions to write very complicated problem it's just right. naive. it's totally naive i think and right. don't do anyone a favor if we allow them to think that but I also understand that doesn't always wash well with right. people quite like a simple solution to a very complex. simplistic solution perhaps yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Just, just don't worry about it and, and I'll fix it for you yeah the yeah. leader thing
0: yes in fact that's a, a great additional point this idea of the hero yeah. leader oh, yeah. which is totally the opposite of what we're talking about here which is we don't need to have the right answer we need other people to to help generate right. that, and the hero leader is just the yeah you know, the ultimate. You know, you started this conversation, Dick, talking about the old model of leadership, which is you know the big boss, and what we're evolving to. And yet, when it comes to society at large, we're clearly stuck in the. Uh, in
2: well, the well, I uh, think we're in a fork in the road. I think some societies are going old boss, give him even more power. Because yeah. it's more important. And we see the Bolsonaro's and the Trumps and the Borises and the mm. Erdogans and you know all sorts of people around the world who are, you know, very much in that mold. And you see other more democratic, complicated, you know, dialogically based political systems. But you know, if, yeah, I mean, where do you stand on it? I right. I, I firmly so, believe dialogue.
1: So this has been wonderful. What I'm taking from this, you kind of came full circle, which is yes. lovely which is we are at a moment historically, societally, and in organizations where everybody knows that the old old form of leadership is comforting. It's simple, it's known, it's familiar. And we all know that that is not useful in this very much more complicated environment whether it's societal or in our organizations, things are much more complicated and fast moving and unfamiliar and filled with all of the anxiety that all of that brings. And so the pull to the strong leader who just has the answers and makes a decision is emotionally very appealing, right? But intellectually, And in reality, we will end up in bad places if we carry on with that old model. Because as you say, Dick, and I think we should not lose this point, it relinquishes responsibility to the leader of the organization. So if things go south, it's the people at the top. I mean, look, UK just today is going through (laughs) all of that, right? And so then what the problem is, is that then it makes us staff people, employees, citizens of the country, feel even less powerful, right? And less um, able to have a positive impact on our environment, right? And so the only thing we can do, and I think we need to say this to all the people that we coach, right? Is you must lean into initiating dialogue, being responsible for having hard conversations. Yeah. Be responsible for not letting go. Yeah. You cannot let go of the responsibility of doing the hard thing right now. But I, that's I, I, what has to happen now. And for the people that we coach for our organizations, for our society. And I like the way that you kind of hit on all of those levels because it's a reverberate, you know, there's a mirroring effect here, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. these are all interconnected. And I think just to build on one point you've made there is that just because you have dialogue, it doesn't commit you to doing what the other says. It just says, I've heard you. We have talked. Right. One of the things we say to leaders is I should be able to come to you with my views, knowing that you'll hear them. I don't expect you to completely agree with everything I say or even do anything I say. Right. I need to feel that you want to talk. And if you don't feel that and don't really want to do that or don't have the skills to do that, we're going to have a problem in the long term.
0: Fantastic can- way to finish. Dave. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect Thank way to so finish. Much.
2: Thank you so much. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you very much for your, right. your time and ideas and your wisdom. But well, Let's try and keep doing this, Nikki, and add some more yes. flavors to the conversations we're having.
1: And- Dick, please let our listeners know where they can find you and learn more about the right conversation.
2: Yeah, so easy website, the right conversation, all one word dot co.uk. There we Thank are. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you Jen. so much. Nice. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. You too. Yeah. See you soon.